equity of up to £150 million. You're in the theatre, fine, you're here to win games. We want to try to reduce this gap. I think that uh, a good team has to be good uh, to recognize uh, different phases during the game. Welcome into the Tottenham Depot. I am your host, Andrew. It is episode 98, a happy new year. Well, it's kind of a happy new year, I guess. Uh, Spurs are not making it as happy of a new year as we might like, but they are back. We are back. Uh, it is 2023, and we've got a couple of games to talk about, but I got to be honest with you, this is going to be a little bit more of a big picture podcast. We've got that feeling amongst us. Uh, we also get the feeling of welcoming Dakota back to the podcast because he has not been with us for a while. He is at Dakota J Booth. Dax, what's going on, man? Um, you know, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Um, wishing it was more of one or the other. However, you want to categorize that. But at the end of the day, life is good. Football only matters so much. Really glad to be back here talking with you guys. Likewise, we're we're glad to have you back. Uh, Shuban is also with us. He is at the real Shuban, and he is uh, just as fired up as the rest of you. And we're going to hear from him. Shubs, what's going on, mate? It's good. Uh, I was going to say before Dax stole my line. Um, yeah, if it was for Spurs, I doubt I would know any of you guys. And you know, trust me, I'm I'm I'm, I'm down about knowing Dax right now. So um, <laughs> no, it's very good. You know, I look at it. It's been a it's been a great. It's been a really good new year and. We've been doing this for what over a year and a bit now, and it's been great. And you know, obviously, I got a chance to meet Andrew last year, and obviously, hang out with TC last year, and hopefully, never get to meet Dak ever again. <laughs> <laughs> March, baby, we're coming. It's in the works. <laughs> Todd is also with us from the the burrito stands in South Southern California. He is uh, enjoying it's Mr. Taco. Burrito. Thank you, it's Mr. Taco. Hey. Boy, any day. They're not a sponsor, my friend. So we're just going to call no, them. No, no free ads. No free ads. <laughs> La Hacienda, as a matter of fact. But uh, any day you get to get to, uh, you know, ring in the new year with your mates and have a conversation about your football club that's going to kill you one day um, is a good fucking day, boys. It's, uh, it's one of those things where I think we're all thankful for a deep breath and a, uh, a new year because God bless it, 2022 for Tottenham Hotspur was a roller coaster. Christ. And based on what we've seen today and, and on Boxing Day, I don't think 2023 is going to be much of a change. It really feels like a new year and same old Spurs. Um, but let's let's get into it because on Boxing Day, we saw Spurs return from the World Cup break, pull off a 2-2 draw at Brentford. And I thought, all right, not great, but also... You know, it could have been worse. They 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 did play really well in the second half and came back to get a, a hard-earned point on the road against what I think is a pretty good Brentford team. And then today comes about, and you get a home match against Aston Villa, and you expect maybe a little more. There's a little more rotation than was perhaps expected with uh, an injury concern once again for Dejan Kulisevsky and a little bit of rotation in that back line as well. And... Uh, Dakota, I don't know if there's any other way to put this, but Spurs kind of got their ass handed to them in this game against Aston Villa today, did they not? Um, you know, the first half I felt like was fine, um, even though we didn't we didn't finish those few chances that we had. 
maybe a little boring, but fine. I'm fine with boring as long as we win, but we didn't win. And that's the huge issue. So another just absolute mess of a save attempt from Hugo Lloris leading to the first goal. I think we maybe need to start thinking about his successor in January rather than during the summer. January uh, of what year? Of this, like today. <laughs> oh, I would have thought about it in January of 2021, but that's, oh, that's beside the point. For sure, but we're not the ones running the club. But as we'll talk about a little oh, bit later. Oh, may- revisionist history. <laughs> maybe we- <laughs> we're not the ones running the club, but as we'll talk about a little bit later, maybe we should be. Um, but yeah, it, it just not, not a great, uh, not a great day. Oh, that was from today. That was not boxing day, but whatever. It's just been a mess all around. It's hard to differentiate between, uh, which games are, are which these days. Well, you know why that is? It's because Tottenham have, uh, for 10 games in a row in all competitions conceded the first goal and <laughs> that's Groundhog part day. of the that's part of the problem here. It's hard to differentiate when every game feels like it's the exact go- same goddamn game. Uh, Todd, wh- how does this thing get fixed, man? Um, why why you got to put it to me like that, man? Jeez. Because uh, I come to you with the answers. I figure your body has been fueled by a delicious breakfast burrito, and you come to us with new clarity and 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 dude, enlightenment. Can I tell you, this breakfast burrito is outstanding right now. But what I will say is um, that we cannot gloss over uh the incredible header uh from an incredible uh from harry kane from an incredible cross from longley on yes. about the only good thing he did all day uh against brentford um i kind of feel like that cross is going to be his george kevin and kudu moment on that like uh cross to harry winks to beat fulham but um the pierre emile hoybier goal was poised personified Yes. And I was really hoping that was something that we were going to be able to build off of. And we didn't. We had like 20 minutes to, to cash in some more chances. And fucking Eric Dyer had another fucking header go wide of the post in a crucial moment. And I cursed his name multiple times that match. And you look at this match today and you go, well, we got our, we got our ass kicked again by Aston Villa again. And they came out and out thugged us which was not something that I was expecting to see today. But the tail of the match was missed chances yet again. So everybody wants to know, like, what are we going to do to fix this problem? You're going to finish your fucking chances, Andrew. And if you do that and you don't concede first, and maybe you shore up your, uh, your, your set-piece defense, then maybe you put yourself in a position to actually be successful going down the stretch. Well, I will I will not disagree with you in terms of needing to finish chances, but I also think that one of the bigger issues that we found, and we found this especially when Dan Kulosevsky has not been able to be in the lineup, is creating those chances, Shuban. And that's where today it was like, I don't know where, where it's coming from. Spurs created 0.42 expected goals today. That's not going to get it done in any Premier League match, much less against a team that you're going to concede against. Um, so me, my friend Chris, who from the Tottenham Supplement, we, we were playing a game today of like trying to guess the lineup, and I was like, guess put one of the players in, trying to guess it was, and I said, oh, our front three will be the, you know, Harry, Sonny, and Kulusevski, and he's like, no, Kulusevski's out, and I'm like, oh god, no, because they did a stat. Apparently, we are undefeated when he's played for us, but when he's when he hasn't played, we lost half our games, and I don't want to compare it to Mr. Dembele because I've done this a few times, but. 
it's as if we just can't seem to operate without him. And I was actually asking this in our chat, and I was like, how do we score goals, Andrew, last year, and, you know, without him before playing for us? Because on the Nuno, it was like, I think he, I think Andrew said it was like a bunch of 1-0 wins until we like get hammered 2 or 3-0 by, by a lot of teams. And then even on, when Antonio Conte did come, we were very finding it very hard to eke out chances. And if you can't, yes, you have to finish our chances, but we have to create them. And I think in the um, press conference, he said that we have a lack of creative players. Now, we need that James worries Madison. me a little bit. Well, possibly, but here's the thing that worries me. If I'm Brian Hill and, you know, here's a player that has been coming, you know, as Andrew said, he's 21, 22, a lot of pressure on him to try and do something, and he hasn't really been able to do it. That's not just down to him. It's the team as well. But he hasn't been able to create, fill that creative gap left by Kuliszewski. That's gonna be, that's not going to help his confidence. And if you're someone looking to sell to Spurs, well, well, do you know what? You can add an extra quarter of a million, half a million to your price tag. And if you're an agent, you're going you're gonna to add ask for an extra 10% because you know Spurs need a creative player. So well, and I wasn't even trying to what, dig out on, on Brian Heal. I wasn't even digging on Brian Heal for, for, for that, but it comes from the midfield as well because when you're going to play in this system, it, it feels to me too like there are too many similar players trying to play in this midfield that don't offer. And look, I think Pierre-Emil Hoybeer's had a great season, especially in terms of his goal-scoring output and all of that, but he is not a pick-a-lock midfielder nor is Ibasuma nor is really even Rodrigo Bentancourt nor is Oliver Skip there aren't there's not a guy who can join the attack from the midfield that you fear in this in this squad and that's also kind of a problem right Dakota yeah and I think that's because Antonio Conte has chosen to go with this two-man midfield you know, if, when you go with a two-man midfield, you're just inherently saying neither one of these guys are really going to be an attacking threat because you're relying, as Scott points out to us all the time, you're relying on the wing back on the wing backs and the wingers to be that creative outlet. And who, by when, the way, were not bad today. Doherty played yeah. pretty well, I thought, and Perisic was was pretty good on the other side too. For uh, sure. Sessignon, I, you know, I don't know where he's been. He's I know he's been hurt and sick and that kind of stuff. Like they're at least getting something out of those guys, right? For sure. And then it goes back down to what Todd said. You know, we might not have a ton of chances, so we've got to put them away when we get them. And which that was, feels, which feels a lot like Mourinho, right? Kind of. Yeah. Um, no, yeah, it feels a lot like, like the a, way you have to play the freaking game of football. Like if you yeah. have the opportunity to score and you don't, you're probably going to pay for it. But, but, but there's a difference, Todd. Hold on. I want to push back on that because there's a difference between you're, you have to execute on your three or four chances a game versus you create 14 or 15 really good opportunities to score a game and, and give yourself a, a bigger margin for error on the execution of those chances. If you're only creating a handful, you have to be good on them. If you create more, you can afford to miss on more. Some of that too is just the way that Antonio Conte chooses to play. That was a, the the one of the most impressive things about his inter side is that Lukaku and Martinez were just banging in goals. They were they lethal, like you would expect lethal. Kane and Sonny to be. Exactly, but neither Kane and Sonny are getting legitimate distribution, and when they are, they're flashing it wide, and that puts us in a really tough spot. For sure, and that you know. It, 
if we're if we've finished our chances this season, we're having a very different conversation right now. Um, and that's kind of what it comes down to is that one, the distribution's not been enough, but, but more so, we've not been finishing our chances. I, I I hear what you're saying, but I definitely said this during during the Mourinho era too. And in no way am I trying to equate these two things perfectly because I know they are very different situations, but I said the same thing when Mourinho was the coach. Well, if we're only getting three or four real good scoring chances a game, you better hit on at least half of them if you want to have a chance at getting a result. If you create more chances, you give yourself that gap. And you're right. A lot of that is because of distribution, because they're not getting you know, enough creativity out of both the combination of the midfield and the wingbacks in order to help out the forwards. Dude, I think Kane has had the ball at his feet going towards the goal in the box less than 10 times this entire season in the league. It's stupid. <laughs> well, Todd, he didn't touch the ball before the 20-minute mark today against Villa. I mean, that is and it's something they were really pointing out on the U.S. broadcast over here, like, like emphasizing it. And when he finally did get the ball, he was immediately fouled, taken to the ground, and a free kick given. So, like there's some disconnect between working these wingbacks, getting them forward, which we've seen a little bit more of basically when Emerson hasn't been on the pitch and the combination of this midfield, just not having, it doesn't have the juice. There's no, there's no juice there to squeeze from this midfield in terms of, and again, taking out Pierre Mille-Hoybier's knack for being in the right place at the right time a lot this season which is great and a credit to him because he's he, he's the one i've actually seen and we've seen a little bit of for, a little bit of it from bentoncourt when he's been in there too especially in the press um but there's just you know and we, and it's I, dakota i think it goes to your point too a lot of the issue that we've seen this year is a tottenham midfield being overrun because it's three versus two because he insists on playing this two-man midfield now we did see a little bit of of pat matesar come in today for his first appearance. I don't know if that's a solution for this midfield, but I just don't, I don't see it. And Todd, your shout of James Madison earlier is like, yeah, but I also don't know that he's the type of player that comes in and completely revolutionizes a team, but, but I'm all for trying. He's the Christian. He's the Christian Erickson to enter is exactly what he is. Don't really disagree. Could could be a guy that can come in and you can start him out. Not really knowing where he's going to fit end up sticking him in the midfield on the left. And he's the guy that comes in in crucial moments to take in dead ball situations. And is the guy that basically gives you the right foot to, to Perisic's left foot. And we don't ever have to watch Harry Kane take a free kick again. Shuban, you seem to disagree. You're shaking your head. No. What, what are your thoughts on James Madison? Well, first I like James Madison, but I think he's a, someone you have to really build the team around and Leicester can do that. I don't think you can do that with Spurs. The team is really built around Kane, Sonny, and a few other players. I just don't think Madison, I just don't see how he fits. In terms of your point about, um, well, that, that, I, I don't give a shit about that. I mean, it's, you know, whoever pays your wages. He probably does. Support. Uh, but here's the thing. You talked about what you said about that we are a bit, we're a bit unnumbered. Yeah, we are unnumbered, but for years we would play a full, you know, two in the middle anyway against teams that will play three in the middle. It, I think the problem we have is that we haven't got players who are in that midfield who are calm in possession, that panic. Because, I don't know, for some reason, Basuma, the player that we saw at Brighton, for whatever reason, he isn't being this season. Because he played, I think, he, to be fair, he did play in a three. He played in a three, that's why. He would be the person they'd go to. 
No, but yeah, there though, was an extra generally midfielder though, there with the, him. No, but, but generally, though, he'd be someone that you could give the ball pressure resistant wise. And I do think that we are, I'm not because obviously I was very lucky to see Musa Dembele live and I saw him and Onyama literally beat the shit out of so many midfields where there were three but, or but two in there. But Shuban, they always had a guy like, like saying, Christian Eriksen playing ahead of them in the midfield. That's the thing. Yeah, I'm saying, that's what I'm saying. We don't have. First of all, we don't have the ability to control it, but we haven't got someone we can give that ball to who can be creative quickly and make those quick decisions. We haven't got that. And our but part of the but part of the reason for that goal. is because they, they, there's one fewer guy there. I think well, it, I so when, when Kulisevsky is on the pitch, he's that guy. Right. Yeah. Because he, but we I don't mean, have another attacker to be that guy. Tester. Yeah, right. he isn't that someone you can give the ball to who can hold the ball, who can be pressure resistant, and who can be creatively quickly. Christian Bello was never creatively quickly. Christian Eriksen was always quite quickly, you know, and creative and taking making very quick decisions. And I think there's a lot of times that we're taking one, two, three touches and then they're they're already set. We can't be doing that. We don't have that opportunity to do that. You know, we haven't got that luxury. We have to be quicker with the ball and you know, we have to, these are technical players. These are good players, but they're not showing the full range of their technique. And I have to question, why are they not showing that? Are they afraid? Oh, if I lose the ball, that's it. Conda's going to yell at me. You know, I just think we need to say our players, show your skill. We need players, because we know Hoybier can pass the ball. We know Benton can pass the ball. And we've seen Basuma be able to pass the ball. And I think we need to see that. And we're not seeing that. I don't know whether that's instructions from Conte or whether they are just reluctant to, you know, you know I mean, they're, they're worried that, you know, they're reluctant to do that. Because if it does remind me of, let's say, when um, Soldado, rather than taking the shot on, he passed it because he lacked confidence in his shooting ability. And I think, I think, you know, there, there we are three technical, very good midfielders. And Oliver Skip, again, is another good technical midfielder. I'm not expecting him to be like an Enzo Fernandez or. Pirlo, I don't know. I'm not expecting them to be like that, but they can pass the ball and they can pass the ball between the lines, and they are not doing that. And I need to ask that question: Why are they not doing that? Are they not seeing the runs? Are the players not making the runs? That's the question I'm asking. I I think it becomes a lot easier to pass out of pressure when you have an extra person there in that midfield to work with, and when you have center backs that you can rely on to do the same thing. And they don't have this, this club does not have center backs that it can rely on to work out of pressure in the way that is needed. They have maybe half and half of one or three quarters of one in Christian Romero. But even that guy at times I look at and think, man, I think we really got hyped on him in the first six months to a year that he was here because he, he is dangerous at times. And, and I think we all knew that there was a little bit of a, a danger streak in him in terms of bookings and such he's the only one that's showing any kind of initiative to do something. I, I know we, we brought up Longley and, and the way that he was able to to deliver a cross against Brentford as well. That's all fine and dandy, but he, he also hasn't shown it from a defensive standpoint like is needed. And Eric Dyer, let's just call a spade a spade has been a, a wreck. I mean, Eric Dyer, the mistake he made in Brent, against Brentford, he didn't even play today against Villa. Um, th- there's, there's just been, a lot of pieces of this club that are not performing up to par either. And by the way, Dakota, you mentioned Hugo Lloris in that category. The other player that really needs to be mentioned, and it's been 
it's been half a season, if not a little more now, is Youngman's son. Youngman's son has been outside of 20 minutes when he came off the bench against Leicester. Youngman's son has been bad. And we can, we can, I think we can officially declare that now. We can't just say, oh, he's going through it. He, he, he'll come good. Youngman's son has had a bad season. And I know that we're comparing that a little bit to a golden boot winning season last year, which is potentially a little bit unfair to, to compare it to those heights. But even when you don't compare it to those heights, when you compare it to his previous before that, he's been bad. And I think it's safe to say that at this point. Totally agree. And I mean, that's, that's another one of these things of, you know, we've got to really kind of take, and now's the time to do it during the transfer window, take an inventory of the squad and like, okay, who do we have that is uh, not just going to contribute down the road, but who's going to contribute right now? Because Antonio Conte is like the rest of us. It doesn't want to, I mean, wants to win later, but wants to win now also. So now is the time to start transforming that squad to use these record profits that we keep, we keep setting and announcing year after year after year, take this 20 year plan that has now come to fruition with this cash cow of a stadium and take the success that business has been and translate it to the football pitch because without success on the football pitch, the business will eventually start to, to, go downhill as well. I, I, I think you're spot on about that. And I think that's a perfect place to kind of transition this conversation into a little bit more of the bigger picture stuff, because there is a lot of obviously Enoch out conversation. There's a lot of Conte out conversation. There's a lot of noise right now. And I think as we sit here in a new year and a, a transfer window that's open and a team that, as I mentioned earlier, has conceded first in 10 straight games in all competitions and is kind of looking a little wobbly and looking like it wants to really flounder and has fallen out of the Champions League places now, finally, uh, sits fifth on 30 points through 17 games. I think we can all kind of comfortably say this is not what we expected coming into this season. It's not good enough. And... You know, Dakota, here's where I want to start with this, because you brought up this, the the investment in the coffers. And a lot of people look back at the last summer window and say, oh, well, they had 150 million, million, million pounds and they went and spent it. And that's great. But what did they get for it? Well, when we look back at what they spent and what they got for it, I think it's important to recognize that they didn't add anything new with a big portion of that spend in Christian Romero. He was already here on loan. So that's not a new player that they added for this season the one big new player that they spent a lot of money on that they added for this season is Richarlison. And he's been hurt for, I would say the majority, if not most of the, you know, the first half of this season, if we're, if we're calling it half of the season already. Um, And now he's obviously hurt again and we don't know when he's going to be back. Um, The other big purchase was Eve Basuma, who we've mentioned a little bit in this conversation about the midfield and talking about, yeah, he's, we think he's a good player, but, I don't think he's being utilized correctly. He, as, as we mentioned, he played in a midfield three at Brighton and was outstanding. He's being put into a midfield two here, and I'm not, I'm not 100% sure that's the best spot for him. Um, the other player that we spent some money on is Destiny Adogi, and he's been on loan, and he's one for the future, and maybe he'll come good, but he hasn't been here. And then the other player that, that, that money was actually spent on in the window was Jed Spence, and I know there's been a lot of players, uh, a lot of people calling for Jed Spence to play more, but Jed Spence was always a team buy, not a Conte buy. So those are the players that money was actually spent on and what, what has happened since then. 
So that's not a great hundred and about 130 million net spent out of the 150 that was possibly spent. I don't know. That's not a, that's not a, a, a win now mentality. If you ask me, that's not, no, a it's, I, that's not a win now window. No, that's not a, a win now window. That's a, a maintain pace at a couple of key pieces now. Like spending fifty million on an attacker in Richarlison is not a standard Tottenham move, so that is kind of a big deal. Bummer, he's been hurt. I think that the buy of Christian Romero at the price that we got him for is exceptional, and it, it's good business. That's always going to be a hallmark of what Tottenham does. But when you look at things like Adogi, you look at things like Jed Spence, you look at things like Sar, like those are those are buys for you know twenty twenty five, twenty twenty six. Um, where I struggle. Andrew, and where I think a lot of fans struggle is that we've been patient with Enoch and we've been patient with Levy. And now we're looking at it going, you don't have anything else to hide. Show us the actual investment. Yeah, no, that's, I mean, I've, I, I, it's no secret that I'm probably the biggest. Uh, defender of Daniel Levy and Enoch because I've been able to to see the vision and and recognize like okay they're building something that is sustainable here and something that is going to be able to set us up to be a powerhouse in the footballing world regardless of who owns the club and uh, you know I've I've been able to see that but without like I mentioned before without the success on the pitch none of that really matters to me and like todd said you know you've got nowhere else to hide it's time to come out and play so, so i want to point out too that in that window there are three other moves that were that were either loans or free free moves and i think the the best one of the summer still and i said it then i think the most impactful has been ivan perisic on a free the other two were were Without kind of stopgap yeah, the other two were kind of stop gaps because you brought in Fraser Forster to be your backup keeper. And honestly, you probably, as we mentioned earlier, when it comes to Hugo Lloris, you probably should have invested in a younger guy for the future for that role rather than a 34-year-old uh, who had lost his place at Southampton. Um, and then the other one is is Clement Longley, who I think is a decent backup option to when they missed out on guys like Bastoni in the summer who either didn't want to move or wouldn't move. And I think that's a fine stopgap for a loan. But again, it's not a win now mentality. Um, and I mean, Dakota, I think, what, Champions I think what you League experience. That's tough, man. Oh, no, I'm, I'm, I'm not. Like, you, 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 you. Yeah, but you know what? Other people would say they just brought in a Barcelona reject to because they weren't able to get the guy they wanted which to to a point i think is very true because that's why are you going to talk about emerson royale like that i mean (laughs) well you know what i there were some other things that i would call him but that's (laughs) that's different no dakota i think the point that you bring up is 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 real though and it's the difference between this being a footballing entity and a footballing company because the, the 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 men's football first team is now i think we're I think we've all known this, but I think we're seeing it more clearly is a subsidiary of Tottenham Hotspur football club as a whole, which is the company, which is a subsidiary of Enoch. So like 
it's it's branching off further away from the central point of all of this and it's it's honestly it comes down to the difference between is this a football club or is it a, a business is it a company is this a businessman or is this a is this a businessman kind of kind of talk at this point you know what i'm saying like like what is this and i think a lot of us who root for the football club um would want this to be more of a football club than it's a business but we have to remind ourselves that part of the reason that we like Enoch, if we like Enoch, if we are not Enoch out folks, is because they run this thing like a business and like it is a profitable entity that can continue I, to produce, you know, good things in the future. But it's always like it always feels like it's kicking a can down the road. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, kind of. But I think you have to be a fan of Enoch the business if you're like a fan of Tottenham Hotspur Football Club. You want your club to do good business. You don't want your club to spend seventy-two million dollars on 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 some guy named Pepe. Like, I, you just you just don't want to do that. Yeah, let me, let me elaborate on what Todd just said because I can I, I can feel the heat from from people trying to cook Todd already. <laughs> the the reason that people are upset right now that we're not pushing to win leagues in these windows is because we've been a Champions League mainstay for the last several years and the reason that we're a champions league mainstay is because of the investment of enoch we're we're not some mid-table fodder like we were 20 years ago we're competitive in the league because of the investment that enoch has given so it's fine to appreciate it's fine to we can appreciate where they've brought us and now hold them to a higher standard that they have created for themselves. I, I want to present to you the pushback that you will hear on that, that I don't particularly fully agree with, but I, I can, I can see why someone would say, <laughs> let's it. hear it. Um, Mauricio Pochettino took a team and overachieved with it. And I've got said that them forever. And, 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 and carried them to a run of champions league success. The club, whether you want to say manager, player, staff, leadership ownership got it in its head that this is how it's supposed to be and is now striving for it to be that when maybe in reality they overachieved and Mauricio Pochettino and I guess AVB before him even led led this into a stratosphere that it is not actually you know that the business is in but the football club is not in the business okay, is there so, because they're uh, because they're making the money and 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 you know playing with the big dogs financially, but the, the football club is lagging behind that. Okay, right. so, so timing, now it's time timing is everything. Time timing's everything, Shubon. And, and I, I think that the biggest issue with Mauricio yeah. Pochettino is that he did it ahead of schedule. For sure. Yeah. Well, that's one thing. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. Sometimes you can just get. I, I'm not saying you're lucky, but we all. Well, I've been very lucky to see Luka Modric live. And honestly, he's probably one of the best footballers I've ever seen play for Tottenham. And we got very lucky when we signed him. And we signed him under a much maligned Damien Camoli. He was the signing that Damien Camoli made. So Gareth Bale, Damien Camoli signing. A lot of Damien Camoli signings did not pay off. It's just that those two were absolutely exceptional. And Harry Redknapp wasn't an idiot. He realized the talent he had and he let those two players play. And that's what allowed us to be in the Champions League. And then Mauricio Pochettino got us overperforming. And that's why, because we weren't in the Champions League 
well, we were in the Champions League for what one year in 2010, 2011, and then we weren't in the Champions League for absolutely ages afterwards until Mauricio Pochettino came along. So there, so it was not as if we were we weren't mainstays. I'm, I'm, we were definitely we were an improvement on where we were under the Sugar days. We were definitely in the we were under in under Anna Sugar. Being in Europe was like, oh my God, can we even be in Europe? So we've definitely improved from the Anna Sugar days because under Anna Sugar, I never dreamt we could ever be in the Champions League. But I honestly say that sometimes it's just that it's just like the guy who found um, Kante at Leicester. He then went to Everton. He promised them the earth, couldn't deliver because he got lucky. He was very, now I'm not, no, I mean, sometimes it's your hard work. So luck is when hard work my preparation. But sometimes you can just, you know, it's like, like honestly, finding good players is like panning for gold, you know, and you just have to be, just hope wherever you pay, lay your claim, you, you mine it and you hope you find that gold. And that's how it works. And I think with what Brunich Pochettino, yes, he had obviously Christian Eriksen. He got the best out of Christian Eriksen. Yeah, I don't, I don't know he won the title within um, Conte. Delhi, Kane, Jan Vertonghen, Toby Alderweireld. He got the best of it. But the one thing that Brunich Pochettino struggled with, and the only manager that I know that hasn't struggled with this, was regenerating a side. Arsene Wenger really struggled with that. It took him years to go from the, his 98 to, to 2002 to his Invincibles. And then he was never able to recreate that. Jurgen Klopp right now is, is struggling to recreate what he had. You know? So I think that's the thing. That football is cyclical and I appreciate that. And I can get that. I'm not going to say, look, I'm not an Enoch outer. I, I mean, I'm, I'm not going to be I'm an Enoch inner either. But I'll tell you this now. When I look across and my neighbours up the road... I, I literally could be celebrating. I can have a fucking parade, you know, and this effect, I mean, I can imagine there's a lot of pissed off people that live here and thinking, wait a minute, how the fuck is that happening? We've been seeing their shit show. Uh, we've been seeing their Arsenal fan TV and all that kind of crap. And now they're about to win the lead title. This oh, puts pressure on, on Levy. On. If I'm Levy, I'm... Uh... Well, hold on. They've, they've been shit for five years. Like it's been they've really... shit for five years, and somehow they've got they got their art together. Somehow I don't know how. What the fuck have they've done? They've trusted. They've trusted a manager and backed him. Like 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 Spurs didn't do with Pochettino. Trusted a manager, yeah. exactly. Now if Spurs actually in Spurs fan base actually back Conte, fucking Conte, in the same way that those asshats backed Arteta. Come on, come on. Like that's the thing. Is it? Can can we take what Conte has said in the post game presser? That's and where say, I was going next. Not oh god, he's going to leave in the summer, but oh okay, this guy's actually sticking around and realizes it's going to take about two or three years to sort this shit out. So Conte Conte said a lot of crazy shit in the presser, including that he thought that the effort against Villa was very good and he really liked the way they played and thought they played really well. I think that's batshit crazy. I think the performance was shit and I think he's crazy for saying that. But he also said a lot of real things, which I will credit him for. He said he 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 pointed out and I'm paraphrasing here, but he pointed out that at the end of last season when Spurs went on their run and made the Champions League that it was kind of a miracle. And I know nobody wants to kind of look back on that period of time and say, yeah, that was a miracle. They want to, you want to, you want to reach around and pat yourself on the back and say, good job team. We did it. We charged forward. We got the champions league place that we so richly deserved. But in all honesty, it was kind of a miracle. 
And I do think that that's he's right. It was awesome. He It was awesome, but it was also highly unlikely and still happened. And I think he's right for pointing that out. And then he brings up the expectations coming into this season and talks about how this the talk of this being a title contending team is and he didn't use this word, but I'm going to was batshit crazy. And he's right about that. And I never really fully bought into this team being a a title contending team at the start of the season, but I did think that it was solidly going to be in the mix for the top four. And right now I feel like it's solidly in the mix for the top eight because of the way it's playing. So ah, that's fucking hyperbole. Golly. Where's the gap? Where's the gap there in, in, in the thing? The gap is we don't have Lolo. We don't have fucking uh, Ben Davies. So we don't have uh, a legitimate son right now. Like the gap is we're not facing chances and we're not firing on all cylinders. We've had two different seasons this year. Okay. Everybody needs to calm the fuck down in the first season. We finished in the top four in the league and we finished at the top of our group in the champions league. The second season just started and it's coming back a little slow and people are losing their fucking minds. So, but it ended slow too, Todd. It ended slow too. No, no, you say that it ended slow. You say that it ended slow, but top four, top of the group in the champ. You can only say what happened. So what happened is what happened. And now here we are and we've had two matches and we have one point from two matches. Which, to be fair, is a little bit alarming. But when you don't have all your people, specifically, you don't have Kulisevsky and you don't have Bentecourt, like, that puts you in a really tough position. So, for the people that he had available, Conte wasn't entirely wrong. The efforts were pretty decent. We didn't create a lot of chances because we didn't have a lot of chance creating players on a pitch. And that's really, really fucking difficult. So, Dakota, I want to let you jump in before I know you have to go attend to, to, to some children. Yeah, I know. So the other piece of of what Todd was saying is that, you know, Enix got to let and Levy has to let Conte stick around for this rebuild for us to to properly build a squad that fits what he wants to do. Because as we were talking, and you can elaborate on this if you want, Jose Mourinho uh, and Antonio Conte have basically been playing with half of Mauricio Pochettino's squad the whole time that they've been here. So we need time to properly turn the entire squad over and we're in the process of it. It's, but it's a process. It's going to take a minute. He realizes that we can't, Conte can't get upset every time something like this happens because bad runs of form happen. Levy has to be willing to stick around and the fans can't lose their minds every time we lose a game because it's exhausting. That's asking, that's asking a whole hell of a lot. I understand, but I'm going to make a plea because it is exhausting mentally and emotionally. And I'm sure spiritually for some people, it's just exhausting to have to deal with this, this talk of, you know, it's going to be awful forever after every match. And I was there today. I told you guys that we needed to blow it all up and start from scratch. Uh, But then I calmed myself and that's a ridiculous thing to say. Um, But we've got a, in the ways that we want thing, good things to happen and for the time to take to get there, we have to be willing to give it also. No, I, I agree with you, Dakota. And, and, you know, like you said, Todd originally made that point. I, I, I want to say though, Todd, you, you mentioned 
you know, at the start of this season and the expectations should have been there and we're now, play, you know, we're, we're technically, we're kind of playing two different seasons here and we were pretty good in the first part of the season, but all the things that you mentioned that have been going wrong for this club, I feel like, and tell me if I'm wrong here, but I feel like we're all very predictable things like injuries. Uh, 100%. Not- we're, we're very, all of these things are extremely predictable. We lined up against the problems that we knew we were going to have when you have a World Cup in the middle of a fucking Premier League season, Andrew. So we are where we are. Right, but I just I don't think you can say that they were fully prepared for that. They went and spent. How can you say that? You you totally. earlier in this podcast easily. You earlier in easily, this very podcast, easily, you, very easily. I can say you earlier in this podcast said very, we've got very, all very these different players that. that are that are that are playing in, in you know very similar positions. And you know you also went on to malign the club later on for having two of their biggest signings be Richarlison and Romero, and they've been hurt a lot of the time because of international duty at various points in time throughout this season. So despite the club's best efforts to be prepared for this type of fuckery, we are where we are. The one thing that you couldn't count on is son is son's regression. Is son's regression. Well, no, no, no. Okay, yeah. here's the thing though, Todd. Here's what I'm going to push back on you even more. I think you could have counted on that and should have counted on that because I no, don't a, a regression to the mean, but not yes. a regression to his worst season ever. But you cannot continue no, to rely on a, to... on a player on the other side of 30 doing what he did last season. And the same goes for Harry Kane, by you the way. You know what? I'm going to... No. All of these players... Go ahead, Troops. You have to think that... Do you know what? Do you know what? Here's the thing. This is why you have, like, reinsurance. You hope that you never... When you, when you sell your insurance contracts, you think, do you know what? I'm going to back it up with a reinsurance. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hedge my bets. And we have not hedged our bets accordingly. Yes, there are injuries, but you know what? We, we It's not as if we didn't know. Oh, my God, there's going to be a World Cup. Oh my God, a whole bunch of our players are going to go. Oh my God, we need to deepen our squad just in case some of our players come back hurt and we can be prepared for that. And here, here's another example. I know Todd, Todd watches MMA. Um, the best example I can give you, Ronda Rousey. She was very good at her judo. But what happened if you took her judo away? She had nothing left. To, she had nothing left. We are very good and we have Kuliszewski. But take him away, we reshuggle. Did we have a contingency Agreed. plan for that? Because I, t- I tell you that, Brian Hill... Brian Hill not, was not the best. It's not He's not. It's asking. It's not asking. It's asking too much of him to be that contingency plan. And we've had Lucas, who has been had a tendon problem since September or October. So they've they've known about this problem he's had with being fit. So it's not as if they didn't know. Oh my God, Lucas is not being fit. We've it's, got this guy. So what happens? Because if we're thinking, wait. So that's what I'm saying. We haven't really planned properly. And that it's not even. It's not even about Lucas's injury. Or Brian, like, I don't even include Lucas and Brian in this conversation. When you came into this season, you had four attacking players that you trusted fully for three positions. You had Kulisevsky, Son, Kane, and Richarlison, who you just bought to supplement that. That's not enough attacking players that you trust for three yes. positions. If you look at the midfield, agreed, agreed, hold on, hold on, Todd, hold on, Todd. If you look at the midfield, it's the same <laughs> goddamn thing because you've got three, maybe four players for two positions that you trust. And honestly, they're not even the right types of players because we've been talking about creative, create creativity in midfield and lack thereof. The wing backs is the same damn thing. The the center backs is the same damn thing. There are not enough. There's not enough depth in this team to expect the injuries and the regression to depth, the mean that we knew that we were going trust. to see. Depth that Conte trusts. Depth that Conte trusts. There are players. Okay, okay, okay. okay. That's, that's they played specific. Jaff at fucking no, Tanganga last, last week. Well, Come on. Like, what are we doing here? 
what do you what do you expect them to do in terms of bringing in players? Then they bring in seven players in the window, and you're like, yeah, but they're not the right players. And you, you bring in, you know, you jettison out guys like Delhi and guys like Lacelso and guys like Indombele, and you're like, well, yeah, these significant investment in these players, and at some point in time, we relied on their production heavily, and for all three of those players, that can be said, and they just haven't come good for us. So now you've got a whole bunch of players that are in these spots that you're saying we don't have enough depth for, that you have to jettison out for the betterment of the club, like addition by subtraction, yes. just to put you in a position to be actually successful. Well, now you've got a thin squad coming into, you know, a second window going, well, what the hell? When, when you actually look back at the windows and who he brought in, he brought in Bentaker to play in the middle with, with Sar. He also brought in Basuma the window after that. You look at the offensive players that he brought in. He brought in Kulisevsky in one window, and he brought in Richarlison in the second window. So slowly but surely, he's adding quality players that are excellent, yes. you know, uh, Premier League players. It's just you can't yep. expect magic to fucking happen in two windows. You can't. I am not. Listen, Todd, you're 100% right with everything you just either. said, but the point is Conte shit on the fact today that the expectations at the beginning of this season were for title hope and i think he was right to shit on those expectations today because he's trying to bring people back to a reality that this ain't it i mean like i said he played Jaffet tanganga at center back last week that ain't gonna get it done in the premier league my friend it's not well yeah he's yeah, not that he didn't guy have Romero because that guy was too hungover from holding the the world cup fucking trophy man like i know that is, but that's it, it, but you, that's, did you no, came into the season the knowing. i'm saying Yes, it's tough. Yes, you know that. And here's the thing. Here's the thing. For me, Jaffa Tanganga. For me, I, I like the kid. You know, he's obviously he's local. That's that's where I'm. I'm. I'm more invested, I guess. But for me, you. He's not ready to start the games for us. He should have been loaned out. He should be managed. Right. Like, and and I don't, I don't want to make this a whole. Where does he fit with our plans? But, no, no. But I'm saying. But I'm saying. But where does he fit with our plans? Does he fit with our plans for now? If he doesn't, what do we do with him? We've there are two Tottenham that. Hotspurs. We I think players. we know that. I think yeah. we know that there is a yeah. there is a Tottenham Hotspur for now for Conte and a Tottenham Hotspur for the future for whoever's after Conte, and that is a big problem. I'm managing that middle. I'm managing that middle. I'm managing that middle ground. We have really struggled with that. There should be a middle ground. That's, what I'm saying. That's my point. I think there. I think there needs to be one team, not two teams. And I think this team is trying to manage oh, that's what you're two saying. That's what you're saying, yeah. teams, and that is the biggest issue. Todd, you brought up the seven players we brought in this summer. Like, I get what you're saying. But part of the problem is you can bring in seven players. They are not the right players because a lot of them are just bodies. We There's no trust in – there's no serious trust long-term in Clement Longley. Fraser Forrester, we talked about, is a stopgap backstop uh, backup goalkeeper. Ivan Perisic has been a nice nice uh, addition on a free, but he's 33. I think that's, I think that's overly dismissive of Longley. I think Forrester okay. is a guy that I'll you bring that in for argument. a season or two to, to give. He's a proven Premier League player, Champions League minutes with multiple teams. Like You recognize what Forrester is, and, and you keep it moving from there. You Obviously, Destiny Adogi and, and Jed Spencer are players for the future. Obviously, you're looking at Romero, who was already there. And then you're having a conversation about Basuma, who hasn't played to form. You're having a conversation about Richarlison, who's mostly been injured. And then I'm missing one more. No, um, you're not. You got them all. That, you're, you're exactly okay. right. The, oh, and Parasitch. so you're looking at that. Yeah, and Perisic, who's who's been our addition of the season. Both of us agree on that. 
but he is 33, so he's not a long-term solution. We both recognize that as well. And he's our 34. And he's definitely looked, to be entirely fair, he's definitely looked 34 a couple of times in a Premier League against sure. top-tier wingers. He's so also played a shit look- ton of football. 100%. And you're looking at that going, well, fuck, what now? And, and I, I think you're right. We definitely have been hedging our bets. Are we a win-now team? Are we a win-for-the-future team? And I don't necessarily know that it's Conte-specific. Right, because you look at the players, and you're like, "Oh, I don't know. That's a Conte signing." Blah 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 blah. A seasoned Jed Spence and a seasoned Destiny Adogi fit perfectly in a Conte season, in a Conte system. But, so but here's the thing. Here's but, the thing. Is he going to be around long enough not, to see that season now? Yes, that's the point. I think. I think with anything, what you're doing is you're managing. I'm not saying a team for Tottenham for now. Tottenham for the. Whenever you're by investing, you're looking at a year for the season, and you're looking at three years down the line. That's just that's the middle ground. That's that balance you're trying to trying to accomplish. That's what I'm trying to say. But I yeah. think ultimately we've had we've really struggled. I mean, if you look at um, say Liverpool, who are probably breathing down our necks. They have five attacking was it Jota. Uh, they have five players for that for that three, and there's five players plus that young kid Carvalho, who they'll, they'll throw in occasionally. So well, they're five they players plus a young kid. They try to. Yeah, it's incredible. I'm saying, I mean, they lost five, they lost Sane and have almost improved their options in terms of depth. Yeah, and I think I'm not Sane, I'm sorry. I think it's Mane. Mane. I said Sane, I meant Mane. No, yeah. But what I'm saying is, what I'm saying is, we have, I'm not saying because, like, the answer every every football fan will say, look, the chairman, get you know, chairman, get a checkbook out, start spending the cash. First of all, we have to have the players available to do it because I've spoken on the chats like, why haven't we gone for Milan Screen? Why haven't we gone for Bastoni? And I've been given good responses why we haven't done that. So it's a case of either. We haven't gone there. Let's just let's look to address Onyx. Because Eric Dyer, let's face it, he was the weakest, or well, even when at our best, when we played the back three under Poch, he was the weakest defender of that three. Okay? And we've still got him. Ben Davis, who I very much like, de- decent player, but... At the end of the day, yes, we're playing him because he's left-footed, left-footed, but let's face it, he's a low-rent Jan Vertonghen, okay? And we have not filled those holes of Tobiado Virod, of Jan Vertonghen, Mr. Dembele, Christian Eriksen. We have struggled to fill those gaps. First of all, those are amazing players. It is not easy to fill those gaps. But and said, look, Mr. Dembele was, was at the club for three years, had three different managers until the right manager came along and was able to get the best out of him. But yeah. what I'm trying to say is, we have struggled to basically, but even then, we were a team. We were just a team then. We didn't have a squad, and now we barely have that team, and that's a humongous problem for us right now. Because I mean, I like, I like I Eric really Dyer, but he is not someone. He's not gonna. He's not gonna be the. He's not gonna push the needle. You you don't see Liverpool thinking, "Oh, I want him." You don't. You know, or any of the, any of the top four lives. They, we, we want him or Ben Davis, but the other. But when, when we were doing well. You could see envious eyes from other clubs towards Jan and to Toby and to Ericsson and to Mr. Dembele. And those, those, that's kind of what we wanted. And that's what we don't have now. I don't know what the solution is. Because I was talking to, well, I was trying in our chat, our um, WhatsApp chat in the game. I was like, I look at the bench. I'm like, what are the options? How do we get that creativity? And it's not as if, and it's not as if they didn't know. By the way, when Kuliszewski is out, we lack creativity. They've had God knows how much time to sort this out. The window opened, well, today. So they should have been thinking, all right, you know what? We've we've missed Kulishevsky for so long. 
we need to get creativity in. What can we do to get creativity in? What can we do? So if not, if not January 1st, by at least by the end of this, by the end of the first week of January, we've got a player in that can come in and fill in for Kuliszewski or play alongside or fill in along. And we haven't done that. And that is lack, that, that is poor management. That is poor planning. That is poor risk contingency. And that's, we have not been doing that. And I don't know well, why I can, we can be, now, let me ask a but, question here. Yeah. Of, do you think that uh, leaving Kulisevsky out was delivered on Conte's part in order to highlight exactly how much creativity the squad lacks and put it on display on the first day of an open window? I, I would like to say, no, I don't think that that's what he would do, but also who, who knows how, how much he's willing to just like burn down the ship that he's trying to swim on. I don't know. I, I did joke that he, um, he, 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 I think he criticized Mrs. Conte's lasagna. That's the reason why he wasn't in the team today <laughs> on the bench. But no, it, is, it was just a case of, honestly, <laughs> I just I just think, do you know what? I just think when we look at him, like, Kuliszewski, I, I remember when I did, like, this before I even knew, saw him come to this club, I saw, saw, saw him a little bit. I said, do you know what? His skill set is very unique. And I'm not saying you can replace, because one of the things we tried to do was try to replace Mr. Nabello with someone else. And that's like trying to replace a unicorn. And it's impossible to replace a unicorn. It is, it is so difficult. But what we need to do is say, do you know what? We need to be active and we need to demonstrate because the fans, like I said, we've got a cost of living crisis here in the UK right now. I'm seeing, I don't know how many people attended because obviously New Year's Day, a lot of people are not attending, but I honestly do see a lot of these ticket holders. They're now looking to sell their tickets on because they think, do you know what? The cost of going to the games has increased incredibly because of petrol and everything else. And they're thinking, do you know what? Can I, can we do that? So I am I'm honestly I'm really worried about that because for me, what we don't want is to see that level of apathy. And I think I'm seeing no, a lot of don't. Spurs fans. Apathy is definitely worse. Apathy is definitely worse than the team being bad. You you want people to care, and I think that's at least one positive that we can all take from this is that a lot of people do give a shit about this. Um, which I think is like I said. You got to find you got to find silver linings. Here's the thing, though, guys. It is January now. I think the important thing to say is, 150 million in the coffers last summer was great, but you have to spend money properly. You can't just spend money at a, and and throw out a problem. You got to get the right guys. And as I always say, it takes two to tango. We're going to see a lot over the next four weeks. And by the way, there are five games left for Spurs in this month, including an FA Cup tie this coming weekend um a lot's going to be determined over the next four weeks in in, in this window and I, i'm interested in it i'm we're going to be here every week podding again about it and talking about it because it's important um th- there's a there's a lot that can be i'm not going to say this is a make or break window by any stretch but this is a really important window for this team and you guys know me i i am not one to get hype about transfer windows but this is important time for this club because it feels like it's in a very um precarious situation at the moment so what is the successful window look like for you as you tease that on the way out the door uh, oh god you really put me on the spot there yeah uh, so i mean such well sets your expectations my expectation is that they bring in two or three players that are going to help this club immediately. Um, and I know that's a really like general statement. I don't have any names for you. I really can't even put positions not on safe. it. safe. I like it. Because they just need players to help in the immediacy. If they go out and buy your Jed Spence types, I'm going to be pissed. 
because I don't want guys for the future. I want guys for the now. I want to see if they can fix this soon. And whatever's going on with this club and conceding so much early in games or conceding first in games, that shit has to be rid from this club. And and I think with an injection of a couple of players, I'm not saying they got to go buy six players this January. That's not number one. It's unrealistic. And number two, I don't think that's necessary. I think they need two or three guys to come in and help with the depth of this team and in, in the same places that, yeah. that we've been talking about, the, the, the depth is not there. So, um, they I, play I Crystal think Palace. that's fair. Shubon, what do you yeah. think? Shubon, what do you think is, 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 a, is a successful window here? I think definitely a center half. We definitely need a center yeah. half. I don't know, possibly two. That'll be, that'll be that. Um, Oi, and an attacking midfielder, attacking well, attacking player that Conte is willing to use. So I'd say, I would say about two or three signings, but it's January, man. I mean, like, that's the thing is, it's like, I want to say six, I want to say, it's like, that's, that is, it's got to be three signings. So I'll just, just say, like, center, at least one centre half, one attacking, one on one, you know, one someone to go take up for attacking trident. That's two. But the problem is it's January, so I've got to measure that against the yardsticks. I said, well, that's what I want. But getting that, because that's why I say, how successful can we? How realistically can we be successful in January? Because you know, unless you want to play way over the odds. I think I said this a couple of weeks ago, or maybe even last week. If they do what they did last January, this will be a successful window. If they can bring in. Kulisevsky and Bentoncourt level players to help this team right now, like they did last January. This is a success, a successful window, even if it's only two players. I think that now, that could be that could I be agree. the straw that stirs the drink. I agree. I think if you can bring, I agree. A center half, a left-footed center half is ideal. I don't know if you can pull that off in January. I agree. An attacking midfielder, ideally somebody who can go forward, uh, somebody to improve the uh, the offense from outside of the box. Um, is is very much the number one on my priority list. Uh, and then I would love to be able to see a right wing back. So I feel like if you can get oh, impact nice. players in those three positions, in two of those three positions, on level with Kulisevsky and Bentecourt, I think you've knocked it out the park for a third window in the row if you're Baratagi. I'm, um, I'm not even going to limit it to a right wing back. I'm just going to say a wing back because they got – you know, well, I mean, you, they're, they're going to need a little depth on that left side. You've too. got Sess and yeah. you've got you've got uh, you've got uh, Yvonne Perisic. I don't know that they're going to spend there when, like you, to your very point, we most assuredly need a, a center half, an attacking force, and a right wing guy. So I, I don't know, man. I, the tough the tough thing is L- Levy, right, in, in January, and then him trying to you know give Pochettino a washing machine when he's got a broken dryer. And so you don't know how much of that is going to go on behind the scenes <laughs> and how much of that Paratici is going to be able to Olay. So we'll see. Well, I think one thing is a caveat is that basically when the stadium was being built, it was estimated to cost 340 to 400 million. It ended up ballooning to 1.2 billion. Now that's not unusual for construction projects to go way over budget. That's not unusual. The a good example, Sydney Opera House. It's an icon, it's an icon of Sydney, but that was ridiculous ridiculously over budget but it's become it's become an icon and eventually it has paid for itself it bloody well took time for me i just look at it and i'm just thinking well 
I, I, for me, I mean, obviously, I know I've been told the reasons why, like, why we couldn't go from in here, why we couldn't stay in but there we have all this money coming in. I was there for like was it, when Tyson Fury and his crew took over the Tyson Spurs store for at least a couple of good couple of weeks, and um, that money is making hand that that place is making money hand over fist, and yeah, we're, we're, we're cost of living crisis or no cost of living crisis. People, I don't know how, but they're spending money somehow. And they're spending it at Spurs, be it NFL, be it, I don't know, Red Hot Chili Peppers next year. So we have the funding coming in. It's not just about whether we went to the Champions League. We have funding coming you in. what you pay for. And Tottenham, and here's, here's one thing. Tottenham, pay, Tottenham fans pay some of the highest season ticket prices in the country. I mean, it's ridiculous how much that they are paying. And eventually, they're going to say, do you know what? Because like I said, I remember under Sugar, a whole bunch of people just gave up their season tickets. And have not gone back, and these are people who are fans for I mean generations. And yeah, they'll go to a couple of games, but they just haven't gone back because they got so disillusioned with it. I don't want to see that again. I don't want to see another sh- sugar era style thing that we have within you know under Enoch. And I'll be fair to Enoch under ten years under what should I call it under sugar. I never thought we'd get Champions League. I thought Champions League would never happen under ten years with. With Enoch, yes, we got lucky in terms of Luca and Bale and Lady King as well. You know, being able to play a few games, you know, your game here and there. We we did hit the Champions League, and I thought I was in dreamland. And then years later, to even get past—I mean, just to even get to the, to the semis—I was like, I couldn't believe it. That's all I wanted, just to get do do well in the knockouts, just get out of the group, and have a do well in the knockout stages. And somehow, out of nowhere, we're not in the semi-final. We end up being in the final. And that's the thing. What I don't want is a Mike Ashley like owner who basically says, Do you know what? I want I don't want to finish in the bottom three. I just want to be in the Premier League. And what I don't want is a, a a board that says, Do you know what? As long as we make top four, that's good enough for us. Because you know what? Yes, Man City has got a lot of money. Yes, Saudi Arabia have got a ton of money. Yes, Man United have got this commercial behemoth. But do you know what? I want to be able to compete because most people live drab lives. And football is that one thing that gets them excited. And if you take away that excitement, if you take away that hope, then what the, what the fuck you got left? So I don't but, want yes. someone like Ian kicking over home. Oh, shit. Well, Spurs, oh, Spurs are back. At, Sorry about that. Yeah, you're good, man. Spurs are back <laughs> at it on Wednesday. Uh, they travel to place uh, Crystal Palace and then return home on Saturday for an FA Cup tie with Portsmouth. And by the way, two weeks from today, January 1st, uh, that is a meeting in the North London Derby, and that is going to be a real measuring stick, if you ask me. Uh, not a lot of t- not a lot of time between now and then, so it will be. Yeah, unfortunately, I'm afraid we're going to get beat with that measuring stick. It's not good right now. There's boy. a good chance that that does uh, happen. I, I am not confident, and do you know what? I haven't had that feeling for a long time. Guys, to think uh, yeah. Arsenal used to call us three point lane for years, and if uh, I just don't want to go back to that, I really don't. Yeah, the thing is, is that I don't feel as though they have a collection of significantly better players. I just think that they're doing a better job playing as a team. I feel that they've 100% bought into our system. And despite the fuckery that exists on that side of the world, like you can't argue with the results. You really cannot. Uh, You really cannot. That's going to do it for us here at the Tottenham Depot. Uh, You can follow Dakota at Dakota J Booth as he... uh, left us a little bit early you can follow todd at tc underscore show follow shuban at the real shuban you can follow me at a stetka follow us 
at Tottenham Depot. Leave us a rating, rating and review on tell your a friend. podcast platform of choice. Yes, tell a friend. Again, this was episode 98, guys. We're, we're slowly, in fact, as I as I think about this now, uh, guess what episode 100 will be in two weeks? <laughs> That's going to be episode 100 of this podcast. Uh, as I, oh as I bring, it up, bring it up through my brain. Uh, <laughs> holy smokes, what a revelation to have at the end of this podcast. But uh, yeah, thank, thank you all for the support. Uh, we are... We're here. It's 2023. We're barreling into this thing uh, head first. We're going to be uh, having these messy conversations as they are warranted. And uh, we appreciate that all of you are along for the ride. So until next time here at the Tottenham Depot, as always, come on you Spurs. Thank you so much for stopping by the Tottenham Depot. Thanks to Scott Bird for our intro music, as well as the tunes you are hearing right now. Thanks to Dakota Booth for our artwork. Thank you as well to our spouses who put up with our obsession with this football club and for all that they do. And thanks to you, the listener, who really makes this happen. Supporters make this club, and you, the listener, are what make this podcast possible. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Tottenham Depot, and as always, come on, you Spurs. <laughs>